here we are, second installment, and Pastor Jason has kind of framed this out with three different verses that I'm going to read to you this morning. So let's start in these verses, and these are the things, you're going to hear these three verses most likely every single weekend. So by the end of this, you should have them memorized. That is your challenge, okay? <laughs> you should have these verses memorized. But we want to just dig in and set it up. So here we are in Philippians. And our first verse is this, Philippians 1, 3 through 6. It says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with you with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. That's good news, right? We're always in process, but he is moving us to completion. The second verse is this, Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. He is working in us. We are in process. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Jesus Christ. So, a little thing about these three passages is that Paul is writing Philippians from prison. He is literally sitting in the midst of a Roman prison, likely going through a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort, and a lot of suffering. But his focus is in Christ. And many would say, many scholars would say, that this is the most joyful book that he wrote. And he's in prison. So today, I want to speak to you from the idea of prize in pain. That there is prize in pain. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just lift you up this morning. God, I pray that you would just intervene in this moment, God. That your words would be my words, Lord Jesus. That nothing would come out that wasn't meant to be spoken in this exact moment, Lord. I pray for those of us who are in the midst of a season of pain right now, God. I pray that you would just use this message, Lord, to encourage us in our seasons of pain, God. And I just pray today that we would leave here filled up and excited about what you're doing in the midst of our circumstances in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so the reality is that we all go through painful processes in life, right? Like, some of us feel like we go through it all the time. Other of us know there's seasons of, okay, that was hard, and now I'm in an easy season. We can tell the differences. And here's the thing I see, two different kinds of pain. The first kind of pain is intentional pain. You might be saying, why would anyone intentionally go through pain, right? But here's the thing. I desire to have a six-pack right in this general region, okay? And so in order to obtain that six-pack, it requires pain. It requires going to the gym, which thankfully I like. It requires tearing down. It requires building back up. And it requires eating right. That's the part I don't like. That's the process I don't like, which is why I may never obtain a six-pack because I like food. <laughs> but the reality is that I intentionally 
am choosing to go through a process of pain because I desire, I have a desired outcome. Any moment that you've given up something to obtain something is a process of pain. When you go through college, how many of you people who have been through college would say that was painful? There are moments that it is painful, but there's a prize, right? So there's intentional pain, moments that we choose to go through and we end up, it's painful, it's not easy, we suffer, we sacrifice, but we see an outcome that we're desiring, right? So that is what I mean by intentional pain. And then the second is the unintentional pain. More of us are probably on that line, where we don't necessarily choose to go through intentional pain. One thing is like Caitlin, she just went through intentional pain by having a baby, right? And that girl, let me just say, she is miraculous. Like, I think Jesus just came upon them, and she just had the most amazing experience and didn't experience any pain. But the prize was Cadence. So that was her intentional pain when we choose to do something. But then we have our unintentional pains. And this might come from something that happens to us. So maybe we lose a loved one. Or we're going through a sickness that doesn't have an easy answer that can't just be fixed tomorrow with the right medication. Or we experience some great hurt. Or we found ourselves in pain from decisions we've made intentionally that have brought us to a place of living in the circumstances. And so we've gone through unintentional pain because of moments that we've chosen. And so as we talk about these things, the reality is when we look at the Bible, we see that God is still at work in the midst of our painful processes. How many of you are thankful for that? He's at work in the midst of it. Philippians reminds us, again, Philippians 1.6, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you is faithful to complete it. So what I'm hoping that we see today is that there's prize in the midst of our pain that nothing is wasted and that God uses everything in our lives to glorify him when we sacrifice it to him, when we say, God, I surrender this moment to you. The issue is that when it comes to pain of any kind, we want a quick fix. I would love to just pray for some abs and they just happen, okay? That would be wonderful, right? Okay, so unfortunately, God doesn't work that way all the time. Does he never work that way? No, he doesn't never work that way. I've seen miracles happen in a moment. Absolutely. Never abs or long hair, but they've happened. <laughs> when I was, when I was uh, in Australia, I was going through discipleship training school with youth with a mission. That's a handful of words. And uh, I remember I had short pixie hair. And I literally would lay in bed every night crying and rubbing my hair and going, God, please just make it long. I literally prayed this prayer. And I expected it because I just believe that he's that good, that he would do something like that. (laughs) But it doesn't happen that way all the time. Most of the time. Most of the time, we have to go through a process of pain. A lot of times, we believe for big things. We ask God to do miracles, and we don't see it happen. And our issue is that we really don't know how to deal with pain, yet it's part of life. And I do think that God wants to set us up to be able to deal with it in a healthy way, to be able to not be discouraged all the time. James reminds us of that, right? Do not be discouraged. I'll I'll bring that up again at the end. Not, Not to be discouraged in trials, but have joy in the midst of a trial. And now we're looking at Philippians, and we're seeing Paul, who's in the midst of prison, 
doesn't know what's going to happen to him next. So he's in the midst of this fickle crowd. I mean, they, they put Jesus on the cross for no apparent reason. So he doesn't know if he's going to live or die, but this is the most joyful book he wrote. So what does that tell you? That there can be joy found in trial. So Romans 8.28 reminds us again that God is always working. See, the Bible doesn't leave us without any help, right? That's good news. He doesn't say, oh, here's all your trials. You're going to go through these things, but I don't have anything for you. He promises that all things work together in Romans 8.28 for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. So the thing is, is I'd go so far as to say is that there's going to be moments in our life where pain, we don't see the fruit of it. But I do believe that God will use every single moment. And it might be one that we look back on 20 years later and we go, oh, now I see why that happened and what God was doing. And sometimes it's hard to see right in the midst of pain, right? It's very difficult to see what are you doing here, God. It's very difficult to see why our friends are diagnosed with cancer, why our loved ones are losing six-year-olds. Like, it doesn't make sense. And the reality is that we live in a fallen and broken world, and until we're out of this world, we're going to see pain. Until we're healed and whole and heaven-bound, we're going to see pain in this life. But I want to take a look at three things that I think this life we can see the prize in pain from. Are you guys ready for the first point? Okay, the first one is this. The prize of pain is growth of faith. So we can easily look around the world and be discouraged by what is happening, right? I do not watch the news for one reason. It is depressing. I don't need to know. There are things that I don't find out till months later. Like there was a huge oil spill, I think, like two years ago or a year ago, and I didn't know about it until like six months after. And I was like, people were like, how do you not know? I'm like, because I do not watch the news. I don't feel bad about that, honestly, because I cannot handle all the sadness. It's hard. It's hard to look around. There's pain everywhere. It'd be easy to lose faith in God when we look around the world and say, what is happening? Are you in our midst? When I was in India, that was such a hard reality because we live in America, and we know that bad things are happening, but in India, you see it on the street. You drive down the road, and it is on every corner. It's unavoidable. And you, you have this place that is packed with, like, some billion people, tons of people. How many is it? Three billion or something? It's ridiculously packed with people who don't know Jesus. And when you're in the midst of those circumstances and you're in the midst of watching people who are trapped in, in um, trafficking or they just don't, can't come out and rise above the class that they've been placed in, when you can't see hope and you can't see a future, you see it for them, but they can't see it for themselves, it's discouraging it's discouraging to look around and say, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? And so when we look at pain, when it's everywhere, it's very hard to obtain great faith, right? But one story I love and appreciate, I don't like reading because it's, again, it's like reading the news. It's like kind of sad, is the story of Job in the Bible. And Job, he goes through literally every great pain that you could go through in this life. He loses his children. He loses his servants. He loses his livelihood, and that to us might sound like, well, I've lost a job before. I mean, this is a big deal in the Bible. Like, in that time, to lose everything that you have was a big deal. I mean, it is today, too. But they, he had a lot to lose. He himself experienced disease. But the thing about Job 
is that God never wavered in his mind. Despite what others said, hey, you should just give up and curse God and run away and just, just die, he would not give up on the faithfulness of God. And so in Job, we see him say this verse and, it, and this, and he, he says this, and it's kind of like the gem of Job where it's like, wow, this demonstrates such great faith. It, in Job 17.9, it says this through the NLT version. It says, the righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. Job knew that with faith in God, that he would become stronger. He knew that despite his circumstances and what things looked like, despite the pain that he was going through, God was going to make him stronger. And he was strengthening his faith in that moment. And he fought with men for 40 chapters about how good God was when they were trying to tell him, no, he's not good. Can't you look around and see he took everything from you? How could you allow this? We have to realize that God doesn't take everything for, from us. Because we live in a broken world, we're going to experience pain. Is it God's desire that we experience pain? No. It's the fall of man. It's the sin nature that we live in. It's the fact that he can't control everyone's will, and we don't want him to, frankly. <laughs> you know, we want our cake and to eat it too, literally. <laughs> But God is still faithful in the midst of it. He hasn't left us. He hasn't abandoned us. He loves his people. He loves those in India who have heard his name. They have heard his name. They can know him intimately. And that's the, that's the faith side of things that we have to pull in. Is like, God, thank you for this. And honestly, this is where I think as a church, like we need to rise up and realize that people that don't know these things when they're going through pain, they don't have these experiences. They don't have a faith to hold on to. They don't have a strengthening that they can grab. They don't have those things. And so that's why it's so important for us to urgently help people know Jesus. It's so important for us to share the gospel with people. It's important for us that when our friends are hurting and going through trauma and pain, that we say, hey, can I just pray for you? Is that aggressive? No. It's not aggressive. And in a moment of pain, are we not willing so often to take whatever we can get, right? If you have an answer for my pain, I will listen. We want that. Timothy demonstrates how important it is to keep faith in the midst of life in general. He says this in 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He fought. He had to fight for that. Henceforth. And here's the prize. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me in that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. God will use our pain if we allow him to establish our faith in greater ways. Amen? Okay, my second point is this. The prize of pain is greater strength. So this one time I had this brilliant idea. Mind you, okay, I'll tell you a little bit of my story is that when I was in high school, I played basketball. I played every sport pretty much you could play from about, you know, fifth grade until a jun my junior year when I decided I'd rather make more money and buy more clothes than, <laughs> than play basketball. So I played sports. I was very athletic. I really loved um, being an, ath ath uh, an athlete. And so I played sports. But after that season, I didn't do anything for about 12 years. 
And it showed in this general region. I remember one time someone came to me and we were at our first location, which if you were with us for our five-year anniversary, we celebrated our five-year anniversary there. Um, and uh, it was this huge auditorium. And I was up on stage just doing the transition, as I do often here. And so I came down, and someone comes up and says, I didn't know you were pregnant. And I was like, I'm not. This is just 18 months later, baby belly. Like, I just kept it on for a little longer for fun. So that shows you my activity. Like, my activity level was zero, okay? And it's not because I'm not competitive. Like, I like competing, you know? But I was like, just... I was just lazy. I just didn't, I just didn't want to get up, you know? And so I did this uh, thing called couch to 5K. And I hate running, by the way. Like, despise. Yes, I just despise running. To me, it is so boring. Like, I just I can't. I just can't. I mean, because I'm a multitasker, so I'm like, this is just, nothing is happening for a whole 30 minutes. Like, I need to be able to, like, do something else while I run. So unless there's like a TV in front of me and I somehow can remain active or, you know, something to keep me busy, it's not, not busy enough. So anyway, I decided this, that, but the couch was my best friend. So thank goodness that this little app was very slow on getting you off the couch. <laughs> the first time it's like, hey, okay, you're going to go. And they talk to you, it talks to you the whole time that you're trying to run. And um, so it says for the first one, you're going to kind of just walk slowly for a minute. And then you're going to pick up your pace for a minute. Anyway, it goes through this whole series over about six weeks of getting you from the couch to running a 5K. And I did do it. I finished it. It was not a long run, but it was a run. I would say probably more of a brisk walk, but still. <laughs> the point was that it took time. And it got me to a place of greater strength. But it was painful. It wasn't just painful physically. It was painful emotionally. Right? Because the couch always looked better. Always. I love our couch. So <laughs> the starting was hardest, right? When you first experience some kind of pain, any kind of pain, that is like the moment of impact. And I think that is the hardest moment of your experience oftentimes is because it just blows and you weren't expecting it. And in this case, of course, I did it to myself. But the reality is that we just, in that moment, that's when we get to choose what's the next step and what we're going to do with this moment of pain. And the thing is about pain and, and about building up your body, for example, is that literally, in order to become stronger, you actually have to first break down your body. So when you look at muscles, I'm going to read to you about muscles for a minute. You guys ready for that? We're going to talk about some muscles. Case, you're going to learn multiple things here today. <laughs> <laughs> how to build up muscles and about how great pain can actually be. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. There's two essential components necessary for building muscles. The first is to uh, is stimulation and then repair. So stimulation occurs during the contraction of the muscle or during the actual exercising of that muscle. So if you've ever like done this, this is where stimulation is occurring, is during the time you're doing that. Each time that a muscle's exercise contraction occurs, this repeated contraction during a workout causes damage to the internal muscle fibers. Damage is required for strength of your muscles. So these muscle fibers are broken down throughout the course of a workout. Once damaged, these fibers are then ready to be repaired. This is where 
muscle growth occurs. So it's in the repair after the damage that growth occurs. In the same way, God uses our pain to build us to a stronger place than we were before. So when we go back to the story of Job, he lost everything. Literally everything except his nagging wife who was telling him to just give up. (laughs) He lost it all. (laughs) And in Job 42, we see how God brought him to a greater strength. Let's read that. Job 42.10, it says this. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and doubled his previous possessions. All his brothers, sisters, and former acquaintances came to him and dined with him in his house. They sympathized with him and comforted him concerning all the adversity the Lord had brought on him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold earring. So the Lord blessed the last part of Job's life more than the first He owned 14,000 sheep and goats. Remember, this is a big deal back then, okay? (laughs) 6,000, we wouldn't know what to do with these animals, but 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters after his pain. William Penn reminds us that our prize comes through pain. He says this, no pain, no palm, no thorns, no crown, no gall, no glory, no cross, no crown. So the reality is that we're going to go through seasons of pain. But God will bring us to greater strength when we rely on him in the midst of our season, when we entrust him, when we don't give up like Job did not give up. He said, okay, I still honor you, God. I still love you, God. This is hard and this is painful and I can't see the end of it. It's not in sight. I don't know where you're going with this. I don't know why you didn't fix this. But he will use that moment. He doesn't waste anything. He turns everything for the good of those who love him. So when we pursue after him, even in the midst of our pain, we will see ourselves find greater strength at the end of our story of pain. How many of you would like to live in that season? So the last point is this, and our team can come up. The prize of pain is deeper sympathy. I'll be honest. There are things that I've seen in life as being a pastor that are hard for me to sympathize with because I've never struggled with them. So, for example, I've never struggled with an addiction. So it's hard for me to understand a person that is going through addiction. Now, does that mean I don't love them and I don't sit with them? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the empathy isn't there in the same way as something I have experienced. And so, for example, if a a, a woman has gone through a miscarriage... That is something, unfortunately, that I can sympathize with, that I can empathize with in a deeper way than ever. If they lose a child, I can empathize from a very deep place because of having had loss in that way. And I think the reality is is that even though our stories are painful, God will use them for other people. And you know, when you're going through pain, you need somebody to sit alongside of you who can say, it's okay, I've been there. You're going to get through this. It is hard. You're right. Who can understand? Where sometimes we talk at people because <laughs> we want to help, but we don't always know how. And the Bible reminds us in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7, it says this, Praise the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction. Why does he do this? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. 
For as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so through Christ our comfort also overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is experienced in your endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will share in the comfort. And that's the reality, that in the midst of pain, you're going to go through pain, you're going to share in the sufferings of this world, because the reality is we live in the world. But God has comfort for us in the midst of that. He has promised to comfort us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are also in affliction. I was watching this interview with uh, Stephen Furtick and T.D. Jakes. Some of you may have seen it. He was sharing, T.D. Jakes was sharing about his new book coming out called Crushing. It's already out, actually, I think. Um, This is not a, like, go by his book. I haven't read it. (laughs) But he shared this moment. T.D. said this thing. He said, often the things we go through aren't for you. They are for others. And I do think God is so about other people. We know that, right? He calls us all to be disciple makers. He calls us all to go out and preach the gospel, go out and share the word, go out and see people saved and, and, and to help them follow him. And so he cares so much about other people that even though he didn't necessarily put you in your circumstance or your situation or your pain, he will use it for others. He will use it. He is that way. He cares that much. When I go back to the story of India, I was very discouraged because there's just so much. It's such a hard reality when you think about the people that don't know Jesus. It's sad. But Jesus made it so clear on that trip. He said, I literally am about one. Does that mean he's not all about seven billion of us? No, he's about every single one of us uniquely which means that all of our stories won't just come to him quickly. We won't just say yes immediately. We'll be in process or we'll be in the midst of building our faith and we'll see him strengthen us in our pain and we'll see us be able to be used for a great comfort where right now we can't be used for comfort of others. He will use it. He cares about the one. So he uses every situation that you're going through ultimately for his glory. When we go back to Philippians, we see that Paul in the midst of affliction, not knowing how long he might be there, even still said, just Jesus. It's all about you, God. What can I do from this place of pain? What can I do from this place of my circumstance and still honor you and still point people to you? See, how we respond to pain and how we respond to difficulty is key. James reminds us that that we're to count it all joy when we go through trials. And we're like, how do we do that? But it's key. It's key to those around us to see how you're going through your trial. It's key to those around us to see that I don't just grumble and complain. I go, okay, God, what are you going to do in the midst of this place? Are you going to heal this? If he doesn't heal it, will you still honor him? If he doesn't fix it, will you still trust him? If he doesn't, at the end of the day, solve all your problems in the way that we want it so badly to be solved, will you still love him? Are you putting your faith continually in him and trusting in his goodness? And that's all he asks of us. Let's go ahead and stand.